May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. I feel a special connection to today's gospel because it is the first text that I ever preached on in my very first sermon, which was actually 20 years ago next month. I was a chaplain intern in the clinical pastoral education summer program at St. Elizabeth's Medical Center. So uh, I preached on this scripture in the chapel there. Um, and St. East Chapel is just like exactly two miles from Grace, so not very far away at all. For those of you who were living in Boston uh, or the Boston area during uh, 2002, if you take a minute to recall, that was the year that the news was breaking about the clergy sexual abuse scandal in the Archdiocese of Boston. And so every Friday we would read a new installment of that in the spotlight of the Boston Globe and have to process that. So it was quite an interesting summer to be at the epicenter of the Archdiocese, um, since at that time the Chancery was right next to St. Elizabeth's. And more than once, uh, I remember Cardinal Law uh, and seeing him in the halls of the hospital visiting priests. That was a summer 20 years ago when we knew that our city was undergoing a great sea change, but we didn't know yet what that would mean. Jesus, in uh, chapter 8 of the Gospel of John, says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. We are in another big transitional moment, not just in the Boston area this time, but in the whole world, as we emerge in fits and starts uh, from the pandemic. I've been thinking about that saying of Jesus about knowing the truth, and my reflection on it in this season of my life is that there is this in-between space where you know the truth, but it has not yet set you free. A great truth, or many truths, cascading truths, it feels like, have been revealed to us in the last few years, but we do not yet fully know what they mean, what the implications of them are, and so we have not yet been freed by those truths, and so I feel like we are in the sort of messy middle of that saying of Jesus. And in today's Gospel from John 21, the very end of the Gospel of John, that is where the disciples are too. Jesus has been raised, he's appeared to Mary Magdalene at the tomb, and then he's appeared to the disciples in the upper room, and then he's appeared to the disciples again because Thomas wasn't there the first time and didn't believe, and so Jesus comes back. Um, and so this is actually the fourth appearance of Jesus. But at the beginning of the gospel that we just heard Rowan read, you get the sense that the disciples are sitting around saying, well, what now? They know the truth of Jesus' resurrection. They've experienced that. They've seen him. But they don't yet know what it means, and they don't yet know what they are to do. And so Peter suggests that they get back to what feels familiar to them, and so they go fishing. They fish all night without success until somebody calls out to them from the shore. This is a really weird resurrection appearance. 
Jesus as campfire chef is what we get. Um, Jesus tells the disciples where to cast their nets, where to fish, and then they take in this huge catch. But when they come to the shore, Jesus already has the fire going. He already has other fish cooking, and then he adds their fish to it. And he also has bread with him for good measure, and so they all eat together. This meal that the disciples share with the risen Christ is both so mystical and yet it's also so earthy, which I think is a great description of life in the church as well. We have our mystical moments and then we have our really earthy moments together. We are contemplative and prayerful and sacramental and symbolic, and then we are active and practical and and getting our hands dirty. But Jesus is the founder of the feast always. That doesn't change. And the conversation at the campfire breakfast gets very personal, very fast. Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? And he calls him Simon, his old name. Remember, Jesus renames him. He says, you are Peter and I will build the rock of my church on you. But he doesn't call him that here. He calls him Simon. And three times he says, do you love me? And when Simon says, yes, three times, and each time he is getting a little more hurt, Jesus answers, feed my sheep. In this moment of transition, anxiety about the future, bewilderment of what is coming next, all in the context of this profound truth of the resurrection, Jesus focuses on forgiveness, and love, and tenderness, and relationship, and commitment. We are very much in a moment when we know the truth, but the truth has not yet set us free. We're here in Eastertide, and we've really experienced a sense of resurrection, especially this year at Grace Church, having returned to our sanctuary on Easter, Um, knowing that the tower work is more than halfway through, um, experiencing some of the joy of reconnection as we're able to gather more and more. And even during the week, our building is more and more full. I had a meeting um, Thursday night, and we had to figure out where to be because there were um, the, the different renters and groups. There were recovery groups. There was a belly dancing class and a dog obedience school happening all simultaneously. And I was like, yes, you know, we are back. We've got everybody um, back together. So things are, are, um, we're coming together on Sunday and we're coming together during the week as well. But this is still a tough time. People are not doing well. Um, We're not at our best often. I was at clergy conference, uh, Rowan and I were at clergy conference this week and Bishop Vale said a few words that really hit home for me, that we are in this moment when people are hurting, and so there's often a lack of care in our behavior to one another, and sometimes um, we're in a place where we're just not as loving as we normally would be. There's more, you know, nasty comments on social media. There's a little more talking about people behind their back lately in our churches right now, and where before, Someone might have said or done something thoughtless and then circled back a few days later. 
um, Bishop Gale said, you know, often that's not happening. That circling back and reaching out because of where people are is not happening. People are exhausted and they're hurting. At tender moments of transition, we need to be focused on what Jesus puts front and center in this gospel, which is forgiveness and love and tenderness and relationship and commitment. And, you know, that's hard when someone's just been sort of a jerk to you. <laughs> but that's, that's actually what we're called to do as Christians, um, even when we or others are not at our best. Jesus, in this resurrection appearance, he doesn't give the disciples a roadmap of what's next. He doesn't have a chart for them of, of what their ministry is going to look like. He gives them breakfast. He feeds them. And he gives them an assignment. He asks for their faithfulness. He tells them to commit to relationship with him and with one another. And he tells them to care for those who really need it. Even when they are confused and disoriented and craving the familiar in a world that has been turned upside down. He asks for their faithfulness. And so this week... Wherever you are at, know that this is what Jesus is calling you to as well. And know that Jesus loves you the way that he loved Peter with a deep and abiding love. And that Jesus was there for Peter even when Peter was not there for Jesus and still loved him and forgave him. Eventually, the freedom that comes with knowing the truth will find us. And it will set us free. I really believe that. Until then, we abide with Christ, which is a beautiful holy word that means hang in there. We hang in there with Christ. We abide with him. We come to the campfire. We come to the table. And we know that we will be fed. In God's name, amen. amen.